Hey guys, welcome back to Contractor Evolution. Uh, this is your host, Benji. A couple months ago, we did a project management roundtable with some of our highest performing members in the construction space, and it was really popular, very well received. We got lots of great feedback. We thought we would release it as a podcast episode too. As you have no doubt experienced, most, not all, but most project managers in our industry are professional firefighters to some degree. And this is a big problem. Under-equipped PMs burn themselves out and eventually hurt morale, but more importantly, mismanaged jobs can make or break your year-end PL. So we put together a live roundtable with Greg Hasler of Hasler Homes and Ian Kent of Eagle View Construction, where we discuss their evolution story from chaotic to dialed in, the systems that have made the biggest difference in the personality profile of a rock star project manager as well as where you might find one. This was originally delivered as a web class with video and slides. You'll also notice the slightly different sounding audio. So if you want to see our handsome faces and you want to see the slides and other visual supports, move over to YouTube. If you are in the car though, this will still totally make sense with just audio only. Now, we will come back to this topic again in the future. So if you are in the YouTube group, leave a comment below. What project management related questions do you still have? And where would you like to see us take this conversation next time? By the way, there is a resource bundle, which includes a lot of the PM systems discussed. To download that for free, click the link in the description. You're listening to Contractor Evolution, where we unpack the systems, tactics, and skills you need to take your fast-growing contracting business to the next level. If you're here to learn what it takes to scale up, work less, and increase profitability, you've come to the right place. Stay tuned to learn what separates the new breed of contractor from the old school, and welcome to your ultimate guide on the business of contracting. I'm, I'm really excited to do this. Let's dive in. <clears throat> um, quick note. We have a lot, like with all of the sessions that we do, we are big fans of giving away lots of free stuff. So uh, we've got like us Breakthrough Academy. We put together some of our sort of cornerstone project management systems from employment agreements, GSR dashboards, a few other things that we're going to talk about in this roundtable. And I'm sure Ian and Greg will shed some light on how they've worked in their business. Um, and then Builder Trend <clears throat> has a couple really great downloads as well. Um, uh, Construction Daily Huddle template, uh, a few other things. Make sure that you stick around to the end of the session. We're going to send you to a landing page. You can download all of this stuff for free. You will also get a recording of this roundtable. So if you want to send this to someone else on your team, you can do that very easily. But um, just stay tuned because I want to make sure that you take this stuff home and actually do something with it. Um, as I say all the time, Ideas are the easy part, like implementing this stuff, as you all know, is, is the challenging bit where the rubber meets the road. And these tools are meant to make that a little easier for you. Um, so the agenda for today is pretty simple. We're going to do intros. That's who's who in the zoo. We'll get to Ian and Greg and Zach in just a second here. Um, then we're going to move into a very like free-flowing, organic roundtable discussion. This is not a webinar where we're just kind of flipping through slides and it's me, you know, banging on for an hour and boring you to death. This is a round table where we have actual real live entrepreneurs who are working through their project management systems. They're just going to tell some stories, um, talk about the stuff that works, the stuff that doesn't. We've got some really great questions that we've prepared for them. Um, and we're going to have a fun chat about project management in the construction space specifically. 
We'll get to your free resources around the top of the hour. So in uh, 55 minutes or so, we're going to get you those resources. And then after you get the resources, there's sort of a, um, I guess you could say more optional like Q&A section. Uh, when we do these webinars, almost no one leaves. Uh, people stick around for that Q&A because it is very, very valuable. Um, <clears throat> so stay tuned to the very end. If you have to go at the top of the hour, make sure you get your stuff before you do. That's the plan. Um, I'm going to do... Zach, let, can we hear from you quick? Do you just want to introduce yourself, uh, Builder Trend, and then we'll get to Ian and, and Greg? Absolutely, yeah. Hi, everybody. It's uh, great to be here. I'm Zach Witovich. I've been at Builder Trend for just over four years now and uh, primarily started out working with builders on the phones, and then I moved into consulting. So I traveled through Canada, the United States, implementing Builder Trend into people's businesses, and now I serve as a senior manager in our customer success department where I kind of really evaluate our customer experience and making sure that Builder Trend users get the best um, opportunities to really engage with the system in the best way. And I also host our, our company podcast, the, the Building Code. So uh, if you like what you hear today, make sure you check it out. Awesome. Thanks, Zach. Um, I think next we'll go to Ian. Hey, everyone. It's daunting to see this many people online listening to me talk. Uh, so yeah, I'm Ian Kent. I'm one of the owners of Eagle View Construction. We're out of uh, Kitchener-Waterloo, Ontario. Uh, we've been in business for just over almost 12 years at this point. Uh, since then, we've sort of experienced, since we started, we've experienced about 70 to 80% growth year over year. Uh, we primarily do residential remodels and major renovations. Um, really happy to be here. Project management is literally one of my my passions and it has been for my entire professional career. And I think it's literally one of the things that when customers ask what sets you apart, it's, I say it's one of our, our discriminators as a company. So I'm really excited to chat about it. Awesome. Thanks for being here, Ian. Really appreciate it. Excited to, uh, to hear more from you in a minute. Um, Greg Haisler, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, so our company's been around for just about 11 years in North Vancouver, British Columbia. Uh, we focus on high-performance custom homes and large-scale renovations. And, yeah, just kind of organically growing the company over 11 years. And uh, project management is something that we definitely struggle with. So this is a great Q&R for me as well, going through it and tell you our story. But uh, really appreciate having us on here. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Um, okay. This little slide here is a simple, like, sort of context setting or it just kind of helps set up the conversation. And I, I think for you watchers and listeners um, should make some intuitive sense to you. What we're talking about today, uh, project management systems, getting more out of your team, uh, you know, higher productivity levels, higher, higher gross profit, net profit levels, um, fewer go backs, et cetera. Um, this whole conversation is an integral part of getting through this growth zone, which you see that little yellow arrow in the middle. Most of you um, at some point in your business have been through what we call grassroots level entrepreneurship, which is those first couple of years. And some of you might still be there right now. Uh, it's all hustle. You're getting results quickly. Your business is growing fast. You're solving problems every day. You've got tons of ideas, tons of change going on. And it's fun and it's exciting, but if you spent more than a few months there, you come to realize it's not somewhere that you want to live forever. It's just not sustainable. It's not scalable. I don't even think it's that healthy to do 
um, to do for very long periods of time. And so for most of the businesses that we work with here at Breakthrough Academy and, and, and Builder Trend would be the same, most businesses that we work with are trying to get to this more enterprise level where there's controlled effort, your results are very stable, they're predictable. The owner is mostly, if not entirely, out of day-to-day -day operations and their focus becomes much more on implementing systems, uh, hiring a great team, <clears throat> implementing their, their like bigger picture vision and strategy. They've got strong financial controls, there's SOPs in place, and while it might be less of a roller coaster ride, for most people that's, that's a welcome change when they get there. And this growth zone is like where we live. This is where Breakthrough Academy lives. This is where Builder Trend lives. Like this is what we help entrepreneurs get through, hopefully in as little time as possible with as few mistakes as possible um, so that they can get to that greener pasture, if you will, that they know their business is destined to get to. Uh, I'd be curious just in the chat box, like let us know where you are. You guys, are you grassroots right now? Are you enterprise level? Are you stuck somewhere in the growth zone? Let us know in the chat box. Um, and if you are in that growth zone, listen very, very carefully for the next uh, the next little bit because there's gonna be some gold nuggets that, that help you move through it a little faster. So let's do a quick transfer in. I would love to hear from the, how many people do we have on here now? 206, okay. I would love to hear from you guys. What is your biggest challenge when it comes to project management? What grinds your gears? What has you or your team frustrated? What do you find about this whole aspect of your business? What do you find so difficult, so challenging? So take a second, give us a sentence or two in the chat. Um, and I just love to see where you guys are at right now when it comes to this. So some people are saying staffing, scope creep. We're going to talk about that. Lack of communication from field. Uh, so I'm assuming that's like between the field and the office and then the office and the, and the client. Um, communication with all team members, not having enough SOPs. Uh, scheduling, communication schedule changes, details not being related to the PM elections communications the list goes on this is great guys okay judging by your answers you are all in absolutely the right place right now and what I would encourage you to do is take that pain point that you've just chucked into the chat box write it down somewhere and just keep it very front of mind for the next hour and listen carefully for the stuff that applies to what you're talking about we're not going to be able to implement absolutely everything discussed but you should be able to leave this with some some bite-sized uh, some bite-sized things that you can get going on right away. Let's talk about a couple red flags here. Um, these are signs that your project management systems need work. Some of these are kind of obvious. I think some are a little less intuitive. The, the, the first one here is just like a constant state of projects being over budget and over time, right? If your gross profit margins, if the money that you expected to make on the project is lower, uh, sorry, is higher than what you actually make. In other words, your, your actual profit is much lower than your estimated profit. Usually, usually a symptom of poor or broken project management systems. And then the same thing for scheduling. If, if projects just lag on and on and on and you, you, you know, you expect to get off a site and, August and you're there till you know late September that and that again is, is a huge symptom um, the other one is like a, an emotional state of the of the project managers themselves if your 
if, if, if you are a project manager on this webinar or you're an owner and you think about your project managers on your team, if they seem exhausted, stressed out, frustrated, they kind of describe their role as, as like, I'm a professional firefighter going from one issue to the next. That again is showing a lack of infrastructure to help support them and underpin the process. And then this last one is really interesting. So, um, this is this is a a, a line from um, Paul Atherton, who's in the photo here. He's he's one of our more senior construction coaches at Breakthrough Academy. One of the hallmarks of really excellent project management systems is when the relationship um, improves through the life cycle of the project. In other words, when you're when you're closing out a job, you're tighter with your client. Imagine that. Imagine that it's not like it's not like your typical scenario where people are frustrated. The clients want you out of there. They're frustrated with all the change orders, change orders, and and the and the run over on budget. Imagine a world where actually at the end there's like a solid handshake and a very like uh, a very well built um, relationship between you and that client that leads to referrals, goodwill in the market, and a better brand for you guys. So that's that's what we are trying to work towards. Um, if that seems like you know, a complete and total pipe dream. Just keep listening. So let's dive into some questions here, guys. This is the meaty part of the of the roundtable. Um, I'm gonna sort of take a back seat now, and, I, and we're gonna lean much more heavily on our on our three phenomenal guests. Uh, and the way that we've organized this is with questions. So I'm gonna throw up like a slide like this, where there's a where there's a clear question, and then I'll like I'll roll through all of these, and we'll spend a few minutes just discussing just discussing these at length. So let's start with this one. What is your evolution story from chaos to calm? What was it like before, and how is it now? And we'll start uh, we'll start with Ian. Yeah, it certainly was chaotic. Um, I came into this industry maybe a little bit different than a lot of other people. I didn't have any construction background. So I came in from a project management background for a large defense company. And so I was trained in project management. That was a lot of my experience. I saw project management at work. I managed international civil works projects. And then when I decided to get into a small local construction company with my business partner, who's also one of my best friends, I was just floored that it didn't exist, that those those systems didn't exist with what was happening. It seemed like everything was a surprise all the time. And we were always just sort of managing by like we were firefighters. That's all that's all that was happening. Um, and so that was that was our origin story. When I got into this, I was like, oh, what have I done? And then I sort of started thinking like, why? Well, we'll just put in these project management systems in place. And then there was a whole bunch of pushback on it from from the construction people from the people that had been in the trades their whole life and so my first while was just literally putting systems in place and then training people and having to show people and extol the benefits of good project management and fighting that fight all while being at a deficit of being sort of the technical expert so that, that was interesting but i kept pushing because just because i'd seen it working and uh yeah it's just so moving along we started putting different measures in place and different systems and eventually using using proven project management techniques um things started getting more organized our average job size started increasing we were able to take on more work and everybody sort of saw that hey this is almost like we can this doesn't need to be so hard nothing we do needs to be shocking like it shouldn't be a shock that we double booked a sub two months out from now um like that's that that no one should ever sort of be in awe of those things. So 
as that grew, everybody in our company kind of drank the Kool-Aid and got on board and we, we were able to build that out. And then with partners like BTA and, and, and Builder Trends and, and, and even the tools of Builder Trends, um, as we got to a certain size, dramatically allowed us to scale that for our company as we continue to grow and continue to bring on different functionality and uh, different professionals. Ian, were you surprised when you entered sort of like, uh, you, know, you started your like residential construction business, you've, you've come to this from like, uh, like aerospace where the project management systems, the rules, the guidelines, the best practices are like very much there and in place and well followed. Were you surprised by the lack thereof in, in this world compared to that? I think surprise would be an understatement. I was appalled. Um, like it was, it just wasn't in existence. Not only that, we call people project managers commonly that aren't project managers at all. They don't do anything that a project manager does. I mean, a project manager in our industry can literally be someone that just drives around in a truck from site to site looking at stuff. Right. Um, and that's as far away from what I view as a project manager in my sort of professional experience. Then, um, and so coming in here, I was just, I was shocked. And it was also just sort of a, a huge excitement too, because I was like, wow, this is something that a large portion of the rest of the world kind of knows about, but doesn't seem to be doing. So it's low hanging fruit. Like it's an easy thing to really excel at and do well in because mm -hmm. it's, our, our business is not that uncommon in terms of complexity from aerospace from any other complex project we we do complex things but there's there's a system for managing that complexity and managing all of that and it's project management yeah so it's a really good point like you're sort of what you're saying is uh while it may say project manager on their business card and 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 they sort of have that title what they're actually doing doesn't resemble the the all like the already well-known sort of like school of project management. They're PMs in title, but not in practice. That's right. In many many instances. Um, Greg, let, let's hear from you. What's what's your evolution story here? Yeah. So my evolution went from projects really running me, always being uh, reactive, not being proactive, putting out fires on a regular basis daily. Um, you know like feeling that you have control but you really don't um the business is growing but not having full control of our stuff um to really getting into getting a better team assembled to help me perform the tasks that we're trying to do for the homes um i really at the beginning of my process didn't have very good luck in hiring the correct people for the project manager role and i think the truth of it is i really myself i didn't know what i was looking for out of a pm um, and then fast forwarding today, um, you know, what's really helped us succeed and made our company have growth is having uh, systems in place, um, being team orientated, you know, the foundation for systems to actually grow and evolve and get better. Um, and that which obviously makes your company be able to scale bigger and bigger. So, you know, we saw a lot of growth from, you know, doing a million dollars to three million a year, doing the six to 10 million. And, I think that the one thing I've definitely learned in this industry that you continually grow with your project managers and your team, it, it, you, you constantly get better and better at what you're doing. Um, I, I do think when you're like, I mean, my, my background is not like Ian's, um, I'm, you know, carpenter by trade. 
Um, and so I didn't really have this knowledge of PMs, like what were they good for? Um, I, you know, I, I honestly really, I know everyone in BTA has probably heard the, the guy in the truck, like Ian just said. I really felt like that was a person just sitting in the truck going, okay, yeah, they're, they're, they got the two by fours on site. Good job. And it, it, it did drive me nuts. So um, I think that being exposed to it over the last 11 years, it really has helped me realize how important they are to the system of a, of a construction group or any, any industry, you know, having someone run and help uh, is, is massive. So, yeah, I mean, definitely it's uh it's been a big impact on our company for sure. It's great. Uh, thanks, Greg. Zach, um, I'm curious to get your take on this as well. I know like while you're not sort of like, like running a construction company right now, your, your role with Builder Trend would give you a really broad perspective having worked with, I don't know, maybe it's thousands of different builders all over North America. How do how from like from where you, your from your vantage point, how do you see this evolution happening with the construction companies and entrepreneurs that you work with? Yeah, I love I love reading the comments because it's like every time we do a webinar, you know, I feel like when I've worked with builders, they feel like they're alone, you know, like they don't have a network. They're a smaller company, they're just getting started and they don't you know, builder trend kind of comes in. It's like, well, we work with our clients. So they, you know, one thing I love about contractors is you ask them a question and they'll tell you exactly their perspective. And builder trend was built on project management as a tool, but the reality of good project management is the person behind it using the tool. And so like listening to Greg and Ian, it's a skill, right? Like it's something you have to evolve and grow. And I'd be really interested to get Ian and Greg's kind of perspective on how their PM's responsibilities have changed as we kind of go through this webinar. But that's one thing I would, you know, I saw in the chat, everybody said they were in the growth stage, right? Or they're like, they're just kind of evolving. And, you know, if, if you're not looking at your, your PM today and you don't have a vision of like where you want them to go or what responsibilities they should have, you know, I'd really challenge people to evaluate like, what is project management by definition and what skills do they have and how do we get people to reach to that level of expectation? And so these are things like I worked with companies who their project managers, they, you know, they just manage the schedule. That's all they do. Um, that's their job to manage the builder trend schedule. And then I go to other companies that are, have, have reached much higher revenue and their, their PMs are managing the budget. They're cutting POs. They're following up with subs. The owner literally treats the the PM like a CEO of that right. job, that budget. Um, and and if the numbers don't hit, then it's the PM's responsibility. I mean, it's they're tied to commission. And so you can see a lot of different models, but I'll I'll just say like those companies didn't start with that. They grew into it and they learned along the way. And eventually, they found people that they trusted, which you know is it takes time to develop that. Um, but that, that story of I was here and now I got here, like it's, it's very, very, very common. Um, and so it, it take what you can from these two because they've, they've experienced it. Um, but ultimately, you know, the software lets your PMs level up and get there faster, but it isn't, it isn't the hallmark of a good PM, right? Like they have to have other skill sets in order to really be effective at managing a project totally 
and we're, we're going to dive into the profile of, of a good, like, like who actually makes a good project manager. It's actually a little more counterintuitive than you might think. So I'm looking forward to that question. Before we do that, though, let's let's talk a little bit about like core project management systems, what you guys have put in place that is working, maybe stuff that you've tried that didn't work so well. Um, Ian, we'll start with you. And then we'll go to Greg. We'll do the same order. We'll start with Ian. Go to Greg. Go to Zach. What Ian? What are your core project management systems within your business? I think the key word there is systems. <laughs> Just having systems in place. I think as a renovator, especially, and I don't know if other people on this like, we pride ourselves. Like it seems that there's like this pride in oh everything's so different, so it doesn't make sense to try and organize that. It's everything's going to change anyways. When in reality pretty much everything we do is the same except for slight differences. Um, and if it's not, it should be. So when we were developing our project management systems, we wanted to have a system that worked for all of our projects and we, so we could coordinate our projects in the same way. And then it allows us, it gives us space to focus on what is actually different between the, the different jobs and, and divert our energy there. So everything else became on autopilot. Probably our biggest systems that we have in place on in terms of like a like a, a software is builder trend from a project management standpoint so we run all of our schedules through there we we have them all linked together we we manage our critical paths through there um all of our site and and field staff and office staff and design staff are working off of the same schedule so it's really it's harmonized the whole organization to the same song sheet um it's also where a centralized area for all of our data. So any project specific information is in there. And it's also where our customers can interact with the schedule as well and see everything. So it's really a central hub that way. Uh, we do use Excel still for some budget tracking. Um, and a key aspect of our project managers, like I, I think there was this question in the chat a little while ago, what's the key responsibility of a project manager? I'm adamant that the key responsibility of any project manager is schedule, schedule and budget and linking the two of those. Those are the two key responsibilities of any project manager. Um, so our project managers do reconcile our budgets religiously and then report it through the organization and, and look for trends. They're not looking for individual one-offs, they're looking for trends throughout the whole project. And if something's trending off or, or over course, they know how to, their, their job is to figure out how to correct it back. So any information, any systems we have in place is for them to process the data that they're putting together and be able to see these trends in both how it's working against schedule or how it's working against what we budgeted. So um, your your philosophy on this, Ian. Sorry to jump in here. You're, like your uh, sounds like you're pretty adamant. Like you're not a project manager unless you are owning the budget and schedule. If that's not sort of under uh, your, if you're not controlling that, making decisions off of it, driving it forward, you're, you're really more of a, you know, more of an errand boy than you are a proper project manager project manager is that is that fair to say well, absolutely i think you are not only owning like you're 100 responsible for it for yeah. your jobs and the more projects you have you're responsible for making sure that all of them work together <laughs> um and and sort of like you're you're the conductor of a, of, a, of a symphony in that way um that's that's my that's my view of it i know there's lots of different views so that might be controversial <laughs> But uh, no, and then, so we use Excel, we use BuilderTrim primarily, and then also we, QuickBooks is our bookkeeping software, and our, 
our project managers send out milestone invoices. So they're responsible for that. They have a good relationship with our clients. So we found that if they're the ones sending the invoices, we get paid more and faster. So it's good. Yeah, as well. um, good overview there, Ian. Greg, let's go to you. Uh, yeah, so our, our similar, we're similar to Ian. So our biggest contributor is Pillar Trend um, for overview of the, the project manager software, Excel for our budgets, uh, QuickBooks for our accounting, and then Google Drives for most of our in like internal documents and how we do things. Um, from there, really, our project managers are, you know, in the Builder Trim, I found very helpful is obviously scheduling daily reports, to-dos, um, time clocks, and photos and documents. The one thing I have to say about Builder Trim that I really like that's helped us with our clients and making our project smoother is the photos that we do for our clientele. We take photos on a regular basis and we always get it once in a while. Maybe my project managers may not get it, but I get a phone call from the client saying, Hey, I, I don't, I haven't seen progress, but then they look on builder trend and they'll look at the pictures the guys have done. They go, okay, sorry, I didn't realize that's, you know, that's what they're doing. So I think that's a big thing is to show our clients what we're achieving on a daily basis. And I think that, helps to that process of, um, of of developing with your with your client and keeping the budgets on track and your timelines and all that. But 100% agree with uh, Ian, the two most important things are budget and schedule by far and making sure they coexist together and that as a team, as a group, everyone's on, on board. So your project managers, your foremans, you know, they, they may not, the people on site might not, might not know the dollar amounts, but they know the timeline that's required to, to get things done. Um, I think that's a big thing for most young companies growing, getting going is to actually have that communication really going between each other. I love it. Uh, guys, a quick note on, on like core project management systems. Uh, for those of you attending this roundtable, I mentioned it at the beginning, but we will be sending you home with a pretty good bundle. And I'm sort of going off of memory. I believe it's like a really good project manager employment agreement. One of you in the chat was asking, like, what are the roles and responsibilities? Open that up. It's going to be laid out crystal clear. I believe we have a GSR dashboard, uh, perhaps a client update meeting. Aaron, actually, maybe you can just post uh, in the chat just in bullet points what is in our resource bundle uh, for our attendees. Um, either way, if you're kind of like watching this and you're like, yeah, these guys are right. I don't really know where to begin. What we're going to send you home with be a really, really great place to start um, and, and build from there. Uh, okay, Zach, your thoughts on, on, on core systems here. Builder Trend is the system. I mean, the ultimate goal, and I, I love hearing Ian and Craig basically, you know, advocate for Builder Trend is to have repeatability. I mean, that's what you're getting by using Builder Trend. There's functionality, for example, to create templates. So if you're a builder who, you know, you're, you're doing a lot of the same tasks project to project, the scope might be longer or bigger, but you can essentially start a project, have 80% of the data entry completed, and now your project manager isn't spending time having to re-enter all the information again and again, or, or start with an Excel file or, or start from scratch or having a different folder system. And I've, I've been to so many offices where they just use a manila folder for all their documents and they write on the front page and, and it gets lost in the shuffle, right? And so a software is an anchor point. It's a common platform to bring everybody together to be as efficient as possible and having a single source of truth. And, and without it, 
can you build? Absolutely. Have people been doing it for generations? 100%. Um, but to reach these high, uh, high peaks and, and really be successful and really drive revenue, you need to have something that allows you to be efficient with what you're building. And, and it doesn't even have to be builder trend. There are tons of options out there that can improve. Obviously builder trend is the number one in the industry for a reason. Um, but without it, you're just going to have that, that, you know, Ian talked about how hard the job really becomes without something like it. Yeah. You know, one of the things I, I've, I've uh, observed about construction, especially is it is like operationally more complex than most business owners give themselves credit for. Like what you guys do is not simple. Um, it's very hard. You're dealing with many, many variables from staff to trade partners, to weather, to picky clients, to changing schedules, to COVID the last two years. Like there's just, there's so many things that can veer you off course. And I think that you, you know, if you're wondering like, man, why is this so hard? It's like, well, because it is, that's just the fundamental nature of, of the path that you've all chosen to take. And um, so just like, you know, that's kind of the hard thing about hard things. Like this is a, it's a, it's a tall order. And I think what I'm hearing from these guys between mentioned builder trend, their use of Excel, the use of QuickBooks and milestone billing, um, you know, budgets, Gantt charts, status reports, et cetera. Is like you want you do not want to just sort of like hand off projects and hope that your team does them well. A better focus would would be to build the infrastructure underneath them, so that this isn't such a difficult thing day in day out, week in week out. So, just a quick thought there. This is a really fun question. I'm I'm looking forward to diving into this one because um, I think there might be some surprises, perhaps some. Uh, some unexpected ideas that come up here. Greg, let's start with you. Um, in your experience, who makes a great project manager? So I really thought about this question quite hard, actually. Um, you know, you know, I think the correct stuff is that there's there's probably 24 core competencies that really make a great project manager. And I'm not going to say every project manager has them. I think that if they don't, we work on individual ones to help them get there. Um, you know, obviously being organized, commutative, a problem solver, a leader, someone that has the ability to grind out the job from day one to the end of completion, whatever short project, long project, but really the competency, um, you know, for project planning, uh, project charter, client expectations, work schedules, health and safety, project schedule development, client selections, estimating, work scope, I had to write them down, sorry, there was quite a few of them, um, but, uh, I, you know, dealing with contracts, communication with the trades and everyone, sending out RFIs, sending out POs, dealing with drawing issues. Um, and then there's obviously the construction phase. So there's a there's a bunch of stuff there, you know, forecasting project financials, managing procurements, uh, client updates. I think one of the biggest things that our company has in, um, implemented is status reports. Every, uh, during the beginning of the project, we do it every two weeks and it's kind of giving the client an update of where we're at in the project, um, what's going on, what's happening next week, if there's any delays that we need answers from architects or from the clients, things that Hazler, our company's working on. And then um, at the very bottom of that, we've kind of changed it a little bit. We put uh, a change orders on there so it's right in the client's face every two weeks. So we, if there's any questions, we can discuss it on Monday, we can talk about it. Um, 
yeah, I, I you know, I, I think being kind of the leader is probably one of my biggest things. I, I believe in teams a lot. So I think being a team guy and being the person that everyone looks to for being the smart, like the brains of the construction pro- uh, project. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So organizational skills, huge leadership skills, huge. Um, what about like their te- tech savviness, Greg? Yeah, that's that's somewhere that I have to say I'm not good with, but I think it is huge uh, for our guys to have. So it's something that I learned at a quick thing when I started my company that I needed help with the technical stuff for people. And I think that uh, being able to research stuff, come up with good ideas, being able to use the computers quick and efficiently uh, is definitely a huge at- attribute of a project manager. Okay. Um, Ian, what do you think? Who, who what, what profile, what, strengths what um like what what uh what do we call it preferences and abilities in breakthrough academy like what personality profile really thrives as a project manager in your experience yeah i think for me especially again sort of from a dispelling myths that were common when i got in it's talking not necessarily what a project the best project manager traits have but what doesn't matter like in our industry, I, I don't think it matters that a, that a PM has a whole bunch of construction experience. My best project manager that we've ever had, but still she came from running coffee shops. And she's incredible. She was able, Jordan was able to nail and, and, and still build out our processes and is continuing to this day to build out amazing project management systems and lead the construction teams and gain their respect without having any fundamental knowledge about construction. And her jobs are far more successful than our average job and 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 they're executed perfectly. Can you um, before before you move on, I think that's actually a pretty important point and it might take some people by surprise, Ian. So like why is a long, you know, um, why is a very long uh, career in construction? not as big of an asset as people might think specifically for the project manager role. Well, and I think that goes down into the sort of the traits and, and, and the, the requirements of a project manager and how I define a project manager. Again, I don't care if my project manager knows how to frame a wall. I do not care if they know how to go out and solve a problem with how a wall was framed. I care about their ability to run a project to schedule and budget. Hmm. And that's it. And, and be a good communicator. Those are my those are my three care abouts about them. In fact, a lot of the times, our best project managers are people that are very have a generalist understanding in construction, but a really fundamental understanding of data and a fundamental understanding of of, of systems and, and scheduling and com- managing complexities. Those tend to make uh, make make a lot of things. Like I don't want someone that's a, a construction genius because they're going to be too focused on the minutia. My project managers are looking months out. They're not. They're not excited about how square a foundation is. That's for our foremans. That's for our site supers. That's for those. But I'm not saying people from construction can't make good project managers. I'm just saying it's not a prerequisite in our company. Um, from a trait standpoint, like for me, I think having the ability to work with data, lots of data, having a, a, a thirst for it and the ability to aggregate data and look at it in a way that shows you trends for both schedules and and financials is huge for a project manager. I think a lot of people in our industry are afraid of looking at numbers and extrapolating them out and seeing what they do and living them and and basing decisions off of them. But I think that's one of the key competencies of of any project manager. Um, 
They need to be a problem solver. I think the most important thing about project management, it's not about writing up the schedule. Drafting the schedule is the easy part. It's about then managing the project throughout and understanding that that schedule is going to change, if not daily, every couple days. And then having this sort of determination that, you know what, I'm just going to keep working, keep updating it, keep doing it, because that's their job. And with the understanding that if they don't, then then everything goes off the rails. Um, so that goes into sort of a planning ability too. And what I mean by planning is they, they need to be looking, I, as project manager that's looking at the next day or the next couple of days is not doing their job properly. They should be looking weeks or months out. Um, and, and they should be the canary in the coal mine if something's going wrong. They should be yelling that, like, get out or like adjust course, figure this out. That's their main job in the business is to make sure that you're steering clear of the icebergs, making sure that you are resourced and, and, and staffed appropriately mm-hmm. to achieve the critical path to make sure that your projects are successful. That's pretty much it. Um, I also think they need to have excellent communication, both internally and externally. Our, our PMs communicate directly with our customers. They provide weekly updates. Um, they provide a lot of information to our customers and a lot of hard news. It's, mm. not, it's not an easy job. They're, they're giving a lot of difficult news. So they need to have a, a finesse with communications, but also a, a strong stomach for having difficult conversations. And they also need to be really good discussing internally with internal stakeholders. Like sometimes people's priorities aren't, aren't the same as what a PM knows needs to be the priority. So you need to have the difficult conversations to say, like, I think you need to adjust what you're doing. And, and I think like this is far more important. I know these are both priorities, but this is the bigger priority. Mm. Um, so, and then also just tenacity. Again, back to my original point, it's hard work. Like a schedule is built to change. And then when you have multiple schedules running at the same time, they're going to bump into each other and they're going to go all over the place. And there's going to be complexities. You're going to have competing resources. You're going to have angry clients. You're going to have angry owners of the business. You're going to have angry <laughs> supervisors. You're going to have sub trades that just something happens. You're going to have personal emergencies. You're going to have all that. That's all the project manager's job to figure out that puzzle and keep going. And they have to just love the puzzle more than an end. Like very, the puzzle doesn't end. It just continues to go. <laughs> right. So it's like, there, there's no, like, uh, yeah, I think you said this offline Ian. like someone that like needs a, a start line and a finish line is maybe doesn't thrive as well in a project management role because it's just, it's a constant state of solving the puzzle and then as soon as you get a few pieces in place something else falls apart and you move on to that thing so you need you need need to have a level of acceptance around that uh and if you don't it's gonna be a a pretty tough goal for you for sure (laughs) it's great um i've heard there's been a lot of talk so both ian and uh both ian and greg have brought up this this problem solver trait it's like if you're you know that is fundamentally the job of a project manager. If if you, if you didn't need to solve problems, you wouldn't even. If every project just went the way you drew it up on the whiteboard, we wouldn't need these people, right? So you just have the people on site to do it. But we know that's not the case. So that is like a, um, I think a pretty core part of their their the value they bring to a business. I wanted to just do a quick aside on problem solving. This is a really practical piece of advice and. Obviously, you can apply this to your project managers and you should, but this would also be something, a sort of a coaching tool you can utilize with 
anyone in your business, if you have people on your team who you feel aren't as good at problem solving as they ought to be, and you want to train them in that direction, you want to move the needle, it's a really simple thing to do when staff come to you with problems. Your phone rings and someone's complaining about something. Someone bursts in your office door and says, I need help with this. You ask them three questions, okay? The first is, what is the root issue here? Because most of the time they won't, they won't even they won't even know that. They're just like they're upset. They want to talk to someone. What is the root issue here? Do you understand that in the first place? Second question, in your professional opinion, what are three ways to solve this? Okay, so get them creatively problem solving, thinking on their own. And number three, if I was stuck on a de desert island right now and you couldn't talk to me, what would you do to solve this? And if you just get in the habit of doing that with your team, what you'll notice is people start to actually like independently think about stuff versus dumping things on your plate. It's not going to happen overnight, but if you can instill sort of a, um, a, a problem solving mindset into your team via that little coaching tool, six months from now, a year from now, you'll see your phone rings a lot less and you're, you're dealing with a lot less fires. But just a little quick point on problem solving as a trait and how to develop it in your develop it in your people. Um, Zach, let's get let's get your broader view from uh, from sort of like the builder trend perspective. Um, do you have any thoughts on on who makes a great PM? Yeah, Benji, real quick, that your your points me made me think of a builder that I went and visited in Kansas City. I saw someone was here from there where uh, they had kind of a, an estimator czar. They did everything at this business. They had built staff. They were a well-established builder in the community, been around for 40 years, but that estimator did everything. They didn't trust their project managers to do their jobs. And he went home one day and was mowing his grass and, and had a heart attack and passed away. And the whole, the whole system ran through his head. Mm -hmm. And for the next two years, that business could not function. They almost had to close their family business because they, they didn't have this documented anywhere Nobody knew how to be independent like you're talking about. It, it leads to real repercussions. Life happens, right? And so Builder Trend you know, and, and other systems are about like accessibility and being able to replicate if someone's not there to, to keep the business operating. And that's the key point um, <laughs> that I think it's a great exercise in how to get people to start thinking that way, but it, it has real results, right? <laughs> On a, as an aside to the just the project management in general, like who makes it, I've met so many different project managers. It's hard to like stereotype, like what makes a good one, what makes a bad one. I think that urgency is key. I've seen a lot of people talk about the, the, the hunger, like this is, they live for the problem. They are obsessed with yeah. optimizing. They have just that it factor. And I, I, we talked about this offline. I think project management is a really unique angle to get more youth into the industry. I agree. Um, it's a skill that a lot of people go to college, they go to these, these uh, you know, universities and like they major in something that translates really well to project management, but it's not construction, mm -hmm. but they are damn good project managers once they get the opportunity. And so I would really challenge people to think creatively of people in your community that you know that like maybe they, they feel like they're in a rut or they don't, they don't see an opportunity of their current workplace construction has this beautiful ability to kind of bring people from so many different facets and put them into the building process and really thrive. I mean, I've seen it so many times. Some of the best project managers, they were people in coffee shops like Ian, right? They, they were, you know, 
majoring in, in English, but, you know, didn't, didn't want to pursue it any further after they got their degree. They were working in, in, you know, factories and, and one of the different opportunities. So you, you never know who, where you'll find it, but if you're not looking, uh, you'll, you'll never figure it out. And I, I, and I'd be really I think that's a really good point, Zach. I think, especially because we all complain that we can't find employees, right? We can't find staff, but construction has a lot of off options that are a benefit to a lot of people that are in project management, brought in broader industries that we could do. Usually it's local. You don't have to travel. A lot of good project managers are international in scope and at different phases in their life, they want to come back and, and stay at home. And, and it's, it's, it's an easy sell to do that. So I think, and to get people into the industry. So, broaden your your talent pool guys this 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 dream candidate you might be looking for uh may not be swinging a hammer right now or working for some other builder they might be doing something completely different let's uh let's move on here we've got uh we'll do we'll do one more question then we're gonna do we're gonna get everyone their resources then we have two more like structured questions like this like on the slide and then we'll move to q a so um and we'll do this one just try to do this one a little quicker uh ian what does great project management look like what does it feel like how is it as an owner like just get, you speak to some of the benefits and um what you enjoy about the progress you've made in this area yeah i think great project management i think can be defined in different ways like for the last two years during the pandemic I think great project management was defined as we were able to manage the complexities of the pandemic and the supply chain issues and the labor issues and everything is thrown out as much better than a lot of my peers. I'd say that's, that's good. It's not to say that we haven't had problems. We've just been able to go through them and see those problems impacts on our organizations and correct for them, or at least set expectations with our various stakeholders, whether they're clients or something, if a delay is happening, we're able to set those expectations earlier, but ordinarily, Great project management for me would be problems are dealt with before they become problems. So mm. just the, the proactive decisions are being made. Um, communication with customers is wire tight. Difficult news is delivered to them early. I know that might sound counterintuitive because I think a lot of people bite their tongue like, ooh, I don't want to say that. We'll see how this goes. But if you have a robust project management system in place, you know that that problem is not going to go away. So you, you bring it up to the forefront right away and you discuss those difficult issues earlier. And you, amazingly, your customers will respect that and respect that honesty and their ability. Like, say, say for example, you know you're going to be a month delayed on a major project and these people have to find alternate accommodations. Would they not prefer to be told three months earlier that that's going to happen so that they could find that accommodation for their help, for their family? Or told a week before because you were just afraid to give them that news and now they don't have a place to live. Um, I think it's projects will follow a standard cadence so there won't be so much back and forth and projects taking these weird turns. All of our projects tend to sort of follow the same flow. I see a lot of chats in here about, well, what about quality control? Project management is huge for that because it actually builds in. If, if you build in your quality control checkpoints into your schedules and then you hold people accountable for them. They're not just sort of some mystery if they happen or if they don't, they're now there. So you have a more robust quality control system that's actually actioned there. Um, and using Builder Trend, you can get people to upload their quality control logs right into Builder Trend, and then they're there, and then everybody can see them. Um, again, you know, months out, or, or at least as soon as possible, where bottlenecks are. And bottlenecks are going to happen, especially if you're a growing company. 
we are able to see six, seven, eight months out if we've outgrown a subcontractor. So for example, if we've got a subcontractor booked, if we've got a plumber that only has two plumbers booked on five jobs six months out, it's time to find a new plumber. <laughs> it's, time to, it's time to proactively figure that out and grow the organization in capacity that way. Same with hiring. Instead of saying like, oh crap, I'm two carpenters short right now. When you already need them, we're able to hire for key recs months out because we, we see that from a demand side. Or we're able to accept challenges that we can set ourselves up to fail or to be successful, to not to fail with uh, further out. So if we have more jobs that can convert to projects or more and more leads that can convert to jobs a year out, we can take a challenge and say, okay, this is going to be successful only if we get another site supervisor. But then we have a year runway to do that because our project management system showed us that, that we, we don't. And it allowed us to stretch. Um, and it's also just a, a, the biggest thing for us is it's a new set of eyes or an early warning system for good and bad. It's something that it, it as an as a business owner, I'm naturally op- way too optimistic. I, I, <laughs> I discount risk. I, I'm like, we can do that. We can do that. The project manager for a lot of the time is sort of that little birdie on my shoulder saying, no, we can't. Don't do that. This is this is the risk of that. Stop. Or at least think about this. And, uh, and it's, it, there's a huge collaborative aspect for that, too. I'm not saying I listen to them all the time, but most of the time I should. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's good to have that little voice in your ear. Curb, curb the entrepreneurial thirst for growth all the time, which is great. But sometimes you need someone to just play the devil's advocate. And I think the further out that they can see, um, the more articulately they can describe that to you. And you guys can mutually make really good decisions about what to do as a group. Greg, let's go to you quick on uh, just what, what great project management looks like to you. Yeah. So I think, I think like we've already kind of said it, like, you know, having your schedules on, on schedule, being on budget. Um, I think growing uh, relationships with your uh, clients, your trades, your sub vendors get better from start to finish of the, the jobs you're continue doing. And I would say stress-free environment. Uh, I know that's kind of in construction, a hard one to achieve. So we're talking about world-class project management look like. I would say stress-free would be a good one. And I would say just having great um, uh, meetings with your guys, your your GSRs, you know, using them as a learning tool and really understanding where they're going. So, um, and as, as Ian said, if there's a problem or an issue that comes up, they're, they're being dealt with. They're coming to you with solutions um, instead of pro- like just with a problem only. And I think that's a, a big thing in our industry. Uh, you know, doing the little things right for everyone is one thing that I put down is, is key. So it's like the job is just flowing without, you know, hiccups. It's just, it's just constantly going on a, on a, on a cruise control or whatever you want to call it. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, okay guys, really quick. It's 1154 Pacific. Uh, we're going to do a five minute. Um, we're just going to talk, uh, we're going to talk briefly about builder trend. Sounds like a lot of you are on it already. For those of you that are not, this would be some good information to hear a bit more about. Uh, briefly going to touch on BTA and then we're going to get you these resources. So, uh, the great things that builder trend have put together, the few things that we have put together, we're going to make sure you get those. And then we're going to come back to these final two questions, do um, a live Q and a, cause a bunch of you have been posting questions and some of them we haven't maybe addressed yet. Uh, and then we'll, and then we'll close out for good in about 35 minutes from now, but a quick, a quick aside here. 
Um, Zach, I'm going to lean on you here. Just take in, a, in just a couple minutes or less, like take us through builder trends, um, sort of overall philosophy, the features, the benefit, who are you guys? What do you do? Why does it matter? Yeah. So, you know, the motto of builder trend is a better way. So we builder trend for those of you that don't know, we were, we're based out of Omaha, Nebraska. We're a, a completely grassroots company. We have um, over 700 people in Omaha now. So we're a very large employer in the area. We've, it's come up in the chat. We did acquire co-construct and we're, you know, working on joining our teams together and continue to evolve the platform into the best version of itself. Co-construct's a great product. Um, it's going to only really improve builder trends functionality over time. And so we are aggressively trying to expand what our platform can do. So we try to be an all-in-one solution, right? We have a CRM, we have scheduling tools, uh, we have document management, and then you, you know, ultimately we would love for you to run your financial backend system. And this is where the value builder trend for me is kind of my passion is getting builders to simplify their financial processes, get a system that is repeatable and works, and also gives you insightful data quickly for the people that need it. Um, and then you can communicate that to the stakeholders that need it and reach your goals as a business. So your customers are better informed, your subs start to drink the Kool-Aid eventually. I know that seems impossible, <laughs> but it can happen uh, with enough consistency and dedication to making it happen. Uh, and I've seen it change people's lives. I mean, I was, um, I, I, I can't even begin to tell you how much BuilderTrend loves our customers because we relate so much. Your companies, in a lot of ways, are grassroots and growing. And BuilderTrend reflects that in a tech space, in an industry that gets ignored in a lot of ways. And so it's, a, it's an amazing marriage. Um, and if you aren't a customer, would love for you guys to check us out. Um, and we've got a lot of heavy hitters in the industry that, that back us like Greg and Ian uh, and Matt Reisinger. So it's mm -hmm. it's uh, amazing company, amazing people that work here. And we got to work with some of the most amazing people. And I'm not pandering. I legitimately just, I feel so lucky to get to work with such great business owners and entrepreneurs. Yeah, that's, that's so great. I, I saw in the comment thread maybe half an hour ago, someone was, um, maybe it was you, Zach, just talking about like, the very quickly changing landscape or intersection between like old school trades, construction, contracting, and like new age software and technology. And um, there's a reason that we at Breakthrough Academy have partnered with Builder Trend. Um, we think it's the best solution, the best tool on the market for builders and, and remodelers. And, um, and if, if you have not checked them out yet, Go do, go do a demo. Go check it out. It's a, it's a really uh, phenomenal thing to add to your, your digital tool belt as a builder. Okay, um, just quick on, on, on the Breakthrough Academy front. So we, we are not a software tool. Uh, we have a lot of our members in the chat box. Um, if you guys want to give us some love in the chat, it'd be great. What we do is all of the other stuff. So we coach business owners uh, entrepreneurs in trades and construction. We work with about uh, just under 500 members all over North America, and we help them systemize their businesses for growth. Um, talk about how in a second, but I think some results would be a nice way to start. Our companies all together do about $1.3 billion in revenue, and we track their results. Um, like 
Zach was talking about the importance of like having simpler financial tracking. That's something that we're big on and we pay very close attention to the results of our members. Uh, on average, a BTA member increases the revenue by 21% after 12 months in the program and then they increase their net profit by 40% after 12 months in the program. Now how we do that is sort of a three-pronged approach. We call it content, coaching, and community. So the content part of Breakthrough Academy is um, it's kind of simple to describe. We have built every um, system. So I'm not talking about a software system. I'm talking about employment agreements for your staff, performance dashboards to track the results, standard written standard operating procedures that are done for you so you don't have to make them from scratch, interviewing frameworks so you can make better hiring decisions, onboarding processes that have been fully thought through from start to finish. All of this stuff exists already and the good news is like you guys don't need to build this from scratch. You don't need to reinvent the wheel. Lean on what works already in other businesses and we store all that in a really, really advanced content library that you get access to when you become a member. So that's what makes implementation very fast and very easy. In addition to that, I think this is more important actually, is the coaching. So you actually work one-on-one -on -one, um, with a industry specialized coach who helps you implement that content in an order that makes the most sense for you because every business is different. You have your own strengths and weaknesses, your own holes you need to fill. Um, and they do it at a pace that you can handle. So this is this is why having someone in your corner is so important. The keyword here is accountability. Like I said, ideas are the easy part. We can talk about systems. We can, you know, sound smart for an hour and a half. That's not that hard. To actually get that, to actually get this stuff in place, requires discipline. Um, in a lot of cases, it requires a little bit of help, and that's that's what these these coaches are are here for. Um, there's lots more than what we could fit on this slide. We have an unbelievable team. Of, of specialized implementers that coach you. And then there's, there's a community piece. So, um, you know, we, we say this a lot, leadership is lonely. Owning your own business is um, a journey that most of the wider public does not understand on any level. And there's real value in having a business tribe, like a group of friends that you can bounce ideas off of, that you can be encouraged by, inspired by, motivated by, and that's a big part of what we do, both in our little group meetings, at our in-person events. Um, there's like 480 like-minded entrepreneurs working together within the program. Um, if this sounds like you, you're highly entrepreneurial, you do residential and or commercial, you've been in business two or more years and you have a strong desire to grow and develop as a leader, this BTA program was purpose-built for you and we'd love to chat. So. Two things here, get these tools. There's both Breakthrough Academies and Builder Trends. And you can book a call with us as well. So if you've been sitting on this round table and you're like, I need better project management systems. Ian and Greg are pretty smart. I'd like to be there. And you, and you wanna just like inquire, have a very, very low pressure, chill conversation about how this works. I would love to talk to you about your business. These round tables are um, awesome. The only thing I don't like about them is I, we really can't hear from you guys beyond the chat box. If you want to like get on an actual call, talk to a real person where we can identify our challenges, give you some specific advice, give you access to more free stuff, um, book a call with us through this landing form. So you're going to go to trybta.com slash PM. If you're old school and you want to type it into your browser, that's what it is. 
There will also be a little pop-up that comes on your screen in the next few seconds that you can click on that will take you there as well. And I think we'll post it in the chat box. So there's three ways to get to this landing page. You put in your name, your email, your company, basic information. And then you have two drop-down menus, okay? One is I would like to learn more about how Breakthrough Academy can help my business. That will allow you to book a call with us. One is I would like to learn more about how Builder Trend can help my business. That will allow you to book a call with, with uh, someone from Zach's team. So, and if you want to do both, I would highly, highly encourage it. We are very well integrated. We work exceptionally well together, philosophically aligned and great partners in this. Um, so I would, I would really recommend you check us both out. Once again, trybta.com slash uh, trybta.com slash PM or the or the little bubble on your screen or in the chat box. Three ways to get to it. Um, oh, sorry, other shameless plug. If you like this, we've got tons of free content on the podcast, Contract Revolution on all platforms. Uh, we do a lot of stuff on project management. So if you want to just like listen to this while you drive with an AirPod in, uh, another great resource as well. Okay, let's get back to the questions. Um, we were talking about what it what project management looks like, uh, and I think we'll just move move this along to a, an accountability question. Um, so <clears throat> this is where I think the 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 rubber meets the road. Is like we can write up a nice job description, we can implement some some rudimentary systems for our PMs to follow, but you're still inevitably working with human beings who are error prone and you know have moods and good months and bad months um, and that's that's the nature of business and leadership and, and management and so my my question to and we'll start with Greg on this one when you work with your project managers for the long haul how do you hold them accountable to the results that they were brought in to achieve for your business what does that look like for you as a leader yeah, so what we do is uh, goal setting review, so GSR meetings, and we go through, roughly take about 30 minutes, we go through each project they're on, and we go through as a, a, a first off as a, to be on budget, to be on schedule is the main things, and then to, to, to have task oriented things. And what I'm looking for as an owner for this is tendencies of what's either slipping, what's doing well, so that we can make sure that we communicate that to other PMs and guys in our company that this is working. And I think it's a great chance to, to, to learn. Obviously we want to be as effective and we want to make sure we're on time on budget on schedule. But I, I think that, you know, you got to evolve it. So the things that work last week on one job, you know, should work on the next one, but we could maybe get it better somehow. So mm. we do that. And we also do what we call the stash reports, review those, and we make sure we're hitting our targets with those things that things that we're not doing or what the clients are doing we're making sure that we're constantly communicating so i would say the biggest thing are the gsr meetings i mean hoping that our project managers are having them with our uh site foremans superintendents whatever you may have on your job so that it's kind of a you know each each person's having them with the person below them in the task oriented of the job so you know, foremans with their foremans with their carpenters on site or whoever's on site, and then foremans and the project managers and project managers with my in my company, it's myself who reviews them, and uh, it just keeps everyone focused on the tasks, the budget, and the schedule. Really, is what the the the, the goal is of those. So they are for you. They are they are a weekly ritual. It sounds like they're about thirty minutes long. They're done 
one-on-one, -on -one, like you and an individual project manager versus like the entire group or the entire organization. And they're very, like, they're hyper-focused on the results. What happened last week? What's your plan next week? How can I support you best? And I'm, you know, definitely a few other questions as well, but that's sort of the, the theme of these goal setting and review meetings, correct? Correct. And then I think the big thing that uh, like I get out of them is like, where do, where do we need to help them? But that's, I mean, maybe that's not the right thing to say, but it is where, where do they need help? Things that we can do better. And I think as an owner, I think our, our, our staff and our, our team always has to be learning. So it's like, Hey, how can I get them better at a different core competency? Like, you know, so that's the key of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love it. Um, Ian, for you, what is this? What does this accountability piece look like within Eagle View? Yeah, it sounds like we have a very similar system uh, to Greg's. But uh, I think for me, and, and largely through BTA teaching me this, it all starts from clear accountabilities at the get-go. So we have a lot of, um, as I'm sure it is for Greg, but we setting up the goals and the responsibilities of PM for me is critical. So we have very detailed employment agreements that set out and show a clear picture. This is what success looks like. This is what this is what we you're going to be measured against, and then we hold them accountable to that throughout the year, um, and then we reward them for exceptional behavior, exceptional performance, um, and we do that through bonuses and other things. Um, but on a day to day level, holding them accountable, we do have weekly goal setting and review meetings. Um, so I will have I will meet with each of our PMs each week. Um, because we're such a key person in our uh, organization. We also have a weekly meeting between our project managers and our design team, mm. because that's a key link. Um, and our sales will commonly sit in on that as well, um, because that's a key area that tends to, we, we noticed we always had, there was communication issues there. There was, there was, there was and, and especially from our customer journey, that's where the handoffs got particularly messy. Um, so we have that. It also allows us, our design team, to understand if there's any urgency for certain selections over others or if we're seeing some, some lead time issues that are going to, if the designers have gotten lead times for selections, they're able to bring it up there and the project managers have fair warning if something's going to impact the production schedule. Um, hey, yeah. Can I, ask, can I ask something in there? Um, one question that seems to come up a lot on these, on webinars and comment sections is stuff around like comp packages and, and I, I you know you, we're not going to share private information here uh, but just broadly speaking you mentioned like there uh, our PMs are bonus based on performance can you could you touch on uh, sort of a couple of the categories that you track the KPIs that you track and then bonus off of for your project managers specifically for sure so Project managers have the most impact to our gross margin. So they are, our project managers are bonused about at least 50% is of their bonus or additional compensation is based on, on gross profit metrics. So we'll set annually, we'll set gross profit goals and, and levels, and then their bonuses will be based on how closely they met that or exceeded that. Um, the other thing is customer satisfaction. Our project managers are huge on, on jobs being successful or not and customers being happy. And a happy customer can be defined in a whole bunch of ways, but overall we take it as, you know, customers are going to give us a 9 out of 10 review mm -hmm. or greater after. And so we bonus them on that. Um, so tr we try and keep it simple, but those are what the bonuses are based on. We also have quarterly and annual bonuses too to sort of keep them interested 
um, but pretty much all based on those two metrics as well. Yep, yep. love um, it. <clears throat> but yeah, and then another important thing that we do do is our, our project manager leads a weekly meeting with our production team um, where we look at just a week out and that holds everybody accountable for the next week. And we have that on a Thursday for the following week. Mm -hmm. um, and that's been a huge thing for holding everybody accountable. No one can say, oh, I didn't know that anymore. That was always there. Or if there's, and it's our, it's our foreman and site super's responsibility to tell the project manager if something in their plan is unreasonable or not going to work for whatever reason. All really, really great points. If, you sit, if you're listening to this going like, man, I would love to implement some performance-based pay. I'd love to like incentivize my project managers or, or other members on your team to really focus and drive the results that matter. But you're like, I wish I just can't track it. Um, that's why Builder Trends here. Zach, what are your thoughts on, on this accountability piece? And then we'll get to our final question. Yeah, absolutely. So Ian talked about data and how important that is to understand, you know, your margins and the things that are driving the efficiency of the project. But I've always coached to my clients that the, the system builder trend can be an accountability piece with the data that it provides. You can literally run reports on how often are my employees actually uploading photos? Like I asked them to, how, how do I actually, you know, know if they're manipulating the schedule and, and are, are hitting their timelines. Um, and then obviously if you're getting into the financials, I spoke on, you know, how often are they making mistakes? Am I tracking variances? You can do all of this within the system and it is informing to your, to your employee that you're tracking it. And I've always coached people, you know, you, you've got this system, you're using it. If you're not talking about it in your meetings, if you're not literally bringing it up in, in your discussions and, sh and just monitoring it and showing people that you're paying attention, it just becomes another thing. It becomes a background system that doesn't actually drive the, the, Hey, this is, this is important. This matters. This is where I hold you accountable. And that's, that's essential to any business to say, like, you can't just ask people to use it and expect to get results. You have to leverage it to say you're using it because I'm holding you accountable to it. And it's not to punish them or to make them feel like you're big brothering them. It's, it's just a, a trust thing between the, the employer and the employee that, this is what we do. This is how we do it. And I'm going to talk about it and make sure we're getting the most out of the investment that you're making uh, in the software and ultimately in that person to be more successful. It can be used to improve them. Look at where you were here and now where you're at on this next project or a year later. And, and I've seen a ton of really positive results with people literally having it in their, their, their GSRs or their, their weekly meetings or their client meetings to actually have a computer in their break or in their room and they bring it up and they say, all right, we're going to use builder trend as the linchpin to our conversation. I think and, that's a huge point too, because it also, I think our guys, if they're just inputting stuff, say daily logs or stuff like that, and there's no feedback from that, they think it's just an administrative chore. That's just, yep. useless. they don't so, see why, why should I do this? Exactly. So no. showing them this is like you're thank you and thanking them for doing it. Like you were giving us this information that as a management level is is invaluable. This is allowing me to not have to leave my office and be able to focus on things instead of running out to sites because I don't trust you guys. This is holding this is allowing me to do that and focus more strategically on the business. Um, and those types of things, if you explain to them why they're doing that and hold them to accountable to it, it becomes much more of a habit for them and it reinforces good habits.
Guys, let's um really, really great conversation here. And uh, I'm just looking, I'm just keeping my eye on the time. Let's move to some let's move to some QA. So for those of you for the for those of you still on, if you have a question that you'd like to ask anyone on the panel, now would be your time to put that in the chat box. I've got a few, we've got a few queued up already, but there's absolutely an opportunity to submit more. And we're just gonna we're just going to run out the clock with uh, with Q&A. So uh, I'll turn my screen sharing off and we'll just, Aaron, if you could pull up the speaker when they're talking, that'd be great. Um, one of the questions that's come up a few different times, you may have touched on it a little already, but I think we can go deeper is, um, so this is from Michelle Price. How many projects do your PMs take care of at once? And she says, I'm currently running 14 plus estimating. So sort of like, uh, the ratio of like jobs per PM or, or revenue produced per PM. You guys, does anyone have some insight on that? Uh, I'll, I'll go if you're okay. Um, I like our guys typically we're doing custom homes. Um, so I'd say our PMs take on two to three jobs max. Really they're comfortable, how comfortable they are with it. And we're, you know, roughly between, you know, three to, I'm going to say the job totals are two to $3 million each. So, we have two PMs doing that on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we're in, in the rental space. Our average job size is probably smaller, but we're typically sort of eight to 12 jobs. That's good. Uh, question from Duncan. How long did it take to get to the point where you're at now with your project management? Is this a many, many years long process? Is it faster than you think? What was your guys' time frame here? Still a work in progress. <laughs> <laughs> I would say when we started implementing PMs, it was quite quickly to get them like to get them working together as a team. And then I would say hundred percent you're constantly working together to get better. It's just const- ongoing. So you've not quite arrived yet. It's, it's like a project manager's job. The, the work is never finished. Well, no, but I think a good question is probably like, at what at what size were you when you brought on your first PM? Um, and that's a question that I, I always wondered. We were about, it was pretty much, I brought my first PM on when we were about $3 million in revenue, $2.5 million in revenue. I probably should have made them my first hire, non, non-production related hire. And I should have done that at about $1 million. I think my life would have been a lot easier had I done that. Had you done it at $1 million? Is that what you said? Yeah. So you, you did it late, in other words. You could have done I it sooner. It I would have done it. I would have done it earlier had I could, if I, if I could go back in time. That's awesome. Um, okay, here's a question. What qualifications are you specifically asking for in an application process? Are there any? Is there is there schooling or professional designations that matter to you guys, or is it is it much more an experience personality thing? I mean, I look for P, guys who have taken their PMMP in Canada. I don't know if it's the same in the U.S. Um, so the program, and I also look at the communication between how we have because I feel like they're such a big part of my business. They have to to, to drive or whatever you want to call it with me. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's been. It, like just to be clear, like th- there's a couple designations that you look for, but it's you're not looking for this huge laundry list of like education or programs or things that they've done. There's a couple things that help, but it is more of a personality profile thing than it is a you know the school I've done type thing. Am I getting that right? 
Excuse me. Yeah, I would. Yes, I would agree. Okay. Yeah, I think a lot of the a lot of the project management skills can be easily trained. It's like, and there's a lot of tools available. Like one big thing is like we send our staff to Builder Trend University, which in a two day two day fun course, they're learning more about Builder Trend than I know, um, and how to use it. Same with, with project management fundamentals. Like it's pretty easy to send them to a night school course or something like that at your local college to, to get that theory. Um, I, I would definitely hire the right personalities over skills in general for a project manager. But at the same point, like if, if, you, if it's your first foray and you have no experience in project management and you are trying to hire this person and you, don't, you have a loose understanding to begin with of what actually project management is, you might want to get someone a little more experienced in that, that can help you build out those processes. I think that's a good, I think that's a really good tip. I, you know, the one thing that you um, needs to be said is like, there is an academic like underpinning to this that exists in other industry. You can get a PhD in this. It's just like, like a lot of things with construction, it's sort of not made its way to this space yet. I think it's on its way. I think very quickly you're going to see way more educational programs pop up, professional designations available, better coaching on this, better support for this. But there is, there are uh, institutions, teachers, educational programs that you can go to. They just might not say like construction on the front. It'll be for, it'll be sort of the more like project management as an art, as a craft to be mastered. And you can absolutely learn about it that way. Um, how do you guys keep on top of change orders? Do PMs take care of these or is it someone else? Uh, PMs for me and foremans work together to make create the change order. Okay. And uh, weekly, it's in our status report right away for the client. And it's already pretty much talked about with the client prior to us going ahead. Okay, good. Same, exact same for us. So PMs and our site supers, who I think is the same as the foreman, um, where uh, they work together for change orders. PMs are the ones that are responsible for processing it and putting it through, communicating it, making sure it gets signed off. And also the biggest thing for change orders, if they do happen, is it's the PM's responsibility to make sure that the schedule is adjusted accordingly. It's not just financially. Uh, this is a really good question from Braden. What is the best way to keep your field crew engaged with the program, such as daily logs, clocking in and out, using proper notes, and having some sort of urgency based on scheduled items? So this is a, and this comes up about every bit of technology is sort of like what I would call fostering adoption. Like how do I create buy-in with the teams? Like, yeah, the tools there, but if no one uses it, what, what good does it do? Zach, maybe you have some perspective on this. People like fun. People like positive reinforcement. It sounds ridiculous, but gamify it, reward them literally like, Hey, whoever has the most daily logs at the end of the month, like I'm buying them a hundred dollar steak dinner. It's a small investment, but it turns it into like, Oh, I'm going to get that. And I've seen it change mindsets, beer, food, <laughs> parties. I mean, whatever, whatever you have to do to make it feel like you're not forcing another thing on them, that they're, 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 they're human. Psychology is the number one obstacle to changing habits. Uh, and those those habits will form if you give a positive loop faster than if it's a punishing always like why aren't you doing this why are you messing up? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think one of our most successful rollouts has been on a quality standpoint. 
using Builder Trend, we had them hashtag quality their pictures, and it was like a name and shame competition. <laughs> yeah. Who, can, who, can, love who can prevent the most cost from rework being prevented on site? So we had our guys going through calling out. We had, we had a we had a gripe that our guys weren't calling out issues, even though they were seeing it, like and just fixing it. So it was being left to like the site supervisor to find. So we, we gamified Builder Trend and just said, okay, do hashtag quality and take a picture of it and outline what the quality issue is and what needs to be done to prevent it and, and talk about. And then we had discussions about how much money it saved on each of them. And then the person that saved the most money at the end got it. And it worked really well. Everyone was engaged. And then I think we gave like a $500 gift certificate at the end. And it, sure. I love it. I'm gonna I'm gonna be a little I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest with this. I think it's always it's a work because I I definitely if you talk to my wife who does all our accounting, she's constantly saying, "Hey, Greg, you know, daily logs are done, but they haven't inputted it into X." And you know, I, I have to say, I actually like the the gift card idea or something like that in the month. I think that's a great way to get everyone together. Um, but I definitely think it's you know you got to stay on your guys, got to stay on people, and keep working with them. We are humans. People have bad days and go home and they don't fill out the bill of trend thing. I'm like, I, I send a little text late at night. I'm like, hey, guys, you don't like me texting you late at night. Just get it done then. Uh, oh, like, like don't, for every carrot, there needs to be teeth. So I completely agree. With that. 100%. Absolutely. We have, always have the stick. but No, but I mean, our site supervisors, it's in there. If, if they don't do this log, it affects their bonus. Like they yeah. don't, if they're not doing it and they're not doing it at a certain point, then they don't get bonus on that portion of their compensation. Yeah, in in most most of the like in like sort of role structuring that we do with our members at, at BTA, like that that sort of like admin up like keeping your CRM up to date is a like bullet pointed deliverable deliverable in bold text. It's not like a do it if you have time thing. It is a this is what you were hired to do. This is your job thing. But I think I think the gamification piece is really good. We. Um, if anyone wants to check out a full podcast just on this exact question, we did uh, we did one with Ben Hodson, who's the founder. You might know Ben Zach. He's the founder of Job Nimbus. And this is a whole, we just like, how do you make this easy? How do you implement a CRM or a project management tool without giving yourself a migraine? So if that's if that's something you want to go deeper on, go check that out. Um, what percentage of your subcontractor and trade partners would you say are fully drinking the builder Kool-Aid and what did it take for you to get them there? So kind of similar, but now it's now you're externalizing it, not to your staff, but, but actual subs. Honest answers only boys. I want to hear. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. We're at maybe 5%. Same. Same. Yeah. yeah that's, we, we joked about the tails oldest time. This might actually be the, the, the tail all the time is how, you know, sub partners, how do we get them on board? And there is a lagging. I mentioned this in the chat. There's just a lagging, turnover with technology adoption in those industries it is coming though i mean i've met a lot of builders would bring me out to train their subs right yeah. like that it's that important to them to get it right and then it's training it's onboarding it's it's patience and it's honestly relationships yeah. you know if you try to say you got to use the whole system all at once and just be a jerk about it. They're they're going to shut down or say no. Nope, I'm going to go work for another builder. You know, and it depends on your market. They might have other choices that don't make them do that. Uh, but if you're feeding them, and and they trust you and they want to work with you, and you're not and you're doing it in a way that is human, um, same principles apply. 
the psychology of it has worked wonders. And the other thing I was pushed back on builders on, because I've, I've heard this from, from day one at Builder Trend, I won't use it because my subs don't use it, is even if you get 80% of your subs using it, doesn't that still save you an absolute like ton of time? Even if you are having to then deal with the 20% not, if you can get a higher proportion, that still is a huge value. And the other thing you start to do is you start to use those subs against each other. The subs that are using it will start to talk to the subs that aren't. They start to be your biggest advocates. No, it's great. I've met so many carpenters and, and concrete guys and drywall guys that were so against it. And then one day it clicked and now they're the biggest champion. And then they sign up for their own builder turn account because like, I see the value because it, it works for their business too, right? So it, it, it is a, a challenge for sure. And it may not be the highest on the priority list, but it is possible. Sorry for the rain. <laughs> No, it's good. It's good. Um, a lot of questions about these comp packages. Doesn't surprise me. Danielle's asking, how do you track the bonus system for the PM? And you had some, I don't know if you can go deeper on that. Like, how, how do you do that in a neat and tidy fashion that isn't sort of administratively overwhelming? What's the system to just actually get the actual results so that you can bonus in an objective and fair and empirical manner? Yeah, there shouldn't be anything subjective about it. It's this is all data that you're tracking to manage. Like these are my KPIs for my company mm -hmm. um, that I'm tracking that I'm bonusing people on. So we track it organically. Um, like every two weeks, I'm having a budget review meeting for each project with my with my project managers. They know the numbers exactly, and they're they're actually one of their key responsibilities is feeding in all those inputs. Uh -huh. So in tracking budget, because again, it's schedule and budget for me. PMs run their schedule and budget. So we're doing weekly roll bi-weekly roll-ups of our projects to understand where we are, mm. and then uh, and then the P, one of the main PM's responsibilities is also is aggregating that and averaging that out across all of our projects, so we know exactly where we are and where we're standing. Yeah. And seeing if there's any, and we do trend analysis on different projects. Like, are there is a kitchen rental more prone to hitting profitability jobs than an addition? Those types of things are the types of things we want to compare over our different jobs, and that's the PM's job. They're doing yeah. that, finding things. Because we're also constantly trying to get a feedback from our PMs, like who is our ideal client, what is our ideal customer, right? Um, right. But so by the time uh, by the time a compensation review comes out, or we're, we're looking at that, all the numbers are already there because they've already put it all together. It's already been vetted, and they know what type of bonus they get or not. It's good. Uh, we're going to try to hit just a couple more and we'll do these kind of quick fire. Uh, this is a question for Greg from Robin. We have grown to around 11 custom homes per year. How many office staff do you guys have and what are the roles and is it working? Uh, yeah, currently we have two PMs, two project coordinators. I have two guys going through school to become project managers. Mm. And then I have a... Um, full-time account like, like my wife does full-time bookkeeping with an account with us and it, it seems to work really well the one role i'm looking at trying to achieve is maybe having a full estimator our pms estimate and then i review the estimates right now someone else had asked this question ian what's what's your split do you have estimators and pms or do the pms do the estimating yeah we have a we have a full-time estimator that estimates okay. all of the jobs and works with sales to do that yeah yeah okay mm -hmm. Well, um, this is, I just really like this question. So I think it's a good one to end on. What's your best advice for managing volume? We currently have a significant amount of requests for new construction management projects, but lack of PMs because of staffing 
restricts what we can produce. Booking out years in advance is great, but that creates expectations and demand on its own. So we are currently aiming at 18 to 24 months out and nothing further. Any, any, any thoughts on how to like deal with insatiable demand? Congratulations though. Yeah, great, great work. Yeah, totally. First of all. <laughs> Crushing it. Uh, you know what? Be honest with people. You, if you're a good company, you're doing what you're doing, set your expectations and set your timelines. I don't think it's the end of the world. I mean, until you can find the right people to do the job for you and help you, I think you just have to manage what you can achieve and don't overbook because then you might have issues. That's I, I completely agree. And also like if you're booking 18 to 24 months out, start to take challenges on your organization, 18 months out, 16 months out. That's a long runway to solve those problems that you have. Right. And then as the business owner, think through the challenges that that growth is going to have for your organization. How many times when you were at earlier stage in your business would you have loved 18 months runway to solve a problem for how to grow? It's, and, and we're dealing with the same thing right now. We have a, we have sort of a, we're booking out 24 months and it's, it's, it's a great thing. You can, you can handle capacity that way. And worst case, you hire someone too soon so you can bring forward some of your projects. Yeah. And hey, you know, Adam, maybe just bump up your prices a couple points too. Wouldn't hurt, you know, if there's that 100%. much flying at you. It's just a little, little practical point. Um, okay, guys, we got to wrap here. We are three or four minutes over, which is always great. But uh, Ian, Greg, and Zach are very, very busy people and have got uh, lots to go do. So we want to be respectful of their time. Um, there's still about 150 people here, and we've gone way over time. Uh, I want to thank all of you guys for coming. Uh, come back to the – we do these, I think, uh, about every other month we do a roundtable. We also do lots of shorter webinars. Um, so just keep your eyes on our socials, our email blasts. Like, we do this stuff all the time. We love doing it. Um, it's been a pleasure having you. And I just – if you guys could all post in the chat box – a big thank you to Ian, Greg, and Zach for sharing their insight, their wisdom, um, and taking their time both today to do this and then also the prep block last week. It's a it's a huge favor um, and something we're all very grateful for. So thank you guys for being here. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thanks, great. guys. This was great. Thanks a lot for listening to this episode of Contractor Evolution. Uh, if you've already subscribed to our channel, consider sharing this episode with another contractor who you think needs to hear it.